0: Hundred sixty five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
1: What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to an all new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. And once again, joined by the great Mike Wall. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Wall sixty eight. Mike, it's been an interesting week in Packerland. I'm sure we're going to get to all of that before we get there. How was your holiday season? And I know right now you're. Frolicking around London. How's that going for you?
2: Yeah, hey, and it's going really well. Uh, I had had fun so far. It's crowded. so we used to live in London and we came, but this is really the first time my family's been back. It's it's so crowded now compared to what it was 10 years ago that I just it's almost like a different place. But uh it's good to be here. We're gonna go check out an Arsenal game tonight with my son. Uh really excited about it. So trying to make the best of it.
1: I'm definitely jealous of that. That sounds beyond amazing. Uh, as I mentioned, it's been an interesting week in Packerland. Uh, They get the win against Carolina, 33-30. I don't think it necessarily matched the expectations that fans had going into that game, but they did escape with a win. Uh, Defense obviously does not perform up to par. You've got a bizarro Jair Alexander pregame coin flip fiasco. And then this week we learned that Jair Alexander has now been suspended for a game, partially, at least mostly due to the pregame incident. But uh, as Matt LaFleur said, it's never just one thing. Let's start there. I think the the hot topic is, of course, the Jair Alexander suspension. So let's start with the actions of Jair. What, What were your thoughts initially on the coin flip and how he kind of handled that entire situation?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of layers to this, and I think the the most important thing is, and anybody who's ever has been watching this, who's been following, if you're a fan of football, former player like myself, whatever, if you've ever been in a locker room before, you can probably guess that this is not just a one-time incident. and the, the reason why they're suspending them, there's layers and layers of things that have been said, the actions, the way, he, the behaviors. This is kind of the icing on the cake that they had to, they had to, to make a move, and you have to be, whether you like it or you agree with it or not. There's something to be said with them with drawing a line and saying and saying, listen, you need to have a hard reset and we need to do it right now. And then if you're not going to do it, if you're going to come back to this and say, you guys, you guys are out on me, so I'm out on you, then it's time to go. Right. So I think the, the best thing that, that Matt LaFleur and Goody did right now is said, what you're doing right now is not working for us as an organization, despite how talented you are and how and how good you've played for this team historically. And you need to reset the way you're the way you're interactions with this team the way you're whether it's the way you're talking about the defensive coordinator the way you're talking about the scheme the way they're performing though your injury history something you're doing in the locker room something you're doing outside the building we don't like whatever it is and we don't know all the things yeah but whatever's happening right now you need a hard reset and if you do that we'd love you and if you don't do that we can find another way that this can work for both parties Um, as it pertains specifically to this weekend the thing that i had a problem with is Jair Alexander is a a respected veteran in this locker room as at least that's my impression. Yep. If you are from the area, it is kind of a traditional thing to go, listen, we're going back home to Jair's home. Let him be an honorary captain. And that they didn't do it. Like there's, there's just, it starts, you start going, there's so many questions here. Like, why didn't you do it? Like, why didn't your assistant tell you that it was his time? And if he did, why didn't you just have a conversation with your, your leadership council, whoever it is, and make that decision because as I saying, listen, everybody's got my back except for like, except for head the head coach, like he must have not known I was from here, but all the players have my back blah 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 blah, then it makes you wonder like well well why is that true and if it's true, well why not, that doesn't make a lot of sense so this is one of those things where you obviously want all this stuff to stay in house. I don't. it probably doesn't even get noticed except for he decides to open his mouth during the coin flip and makes all these – like it's part of his personality. It's part of the reason you love him, and it's part of the reason that it it gets a little bit overbearing, right? You got to take some of the good with the bad. Um, I guess my overall sense is I wish that they would have handled this situation beforehand and and made him a captain. And if they hadn't made it of a definitive, this is why you're not, dude. Like if if, uh, Mike Holmgren didn't want you to be captain, he would let you know. He, or he, he might even say in the meeting, like, I know we're going to your hometown. I don't like way you're acting. So you're not going to be captain. And there wouldn't be any of this this issue, this, this thing to come up. So I think there's a lack of communication on the front end of this. But then certainly sneaking in there and then deciding that I'm going to be the person talking when the captains already have the idea of what we're trying to accomplish. It just is a lot. It's a lot to deal with
1: it is it's also the least fun like i think you and i probably both enjoy talking football more than we enjoy talking drama and pregame coin flip stuff like it's the least favorite part of the entire situation, like just talking about football in general i I love your sentiment about a line in the sand moment and it makes a ton of sense because they suspend him for one game and i'm sure a part of that what they want their evaluation to be is how does he respond to that there's only two weeks uh, potentially left in the season depending on how these next two weeks go so to your point if they do this suspension and it hits home and he comes back rejuvenated, refocused, re-energized, and everything's on the up and up, then like you're awesome. You get your all pro corner back and everyone's back on the same page and it's a good thing. If not, well, then you're not left answer you know, asking these questions in the offseason of all right, how is he gonna respond next year? You now have your answer. He didn't respond well to the initial suspension, it didn't go how you planned. And now you have to sort of make plans for how you deal with that entire thing, whether that be via trade or whatever it might be. So I think that's a really smart observation is like, now's probably the time to do it so you can gain that evaluation. The one thing I did like uh, about Matt in his press conference, and I think part of it's probably coach speak, but um, he did say that everyone needs to learn from this situation and everyone needs to get better from this situation. And to your point about, you know, how they handled the coin flip situation, I think, you know, if they had their three captains selected already, if this is something that's important to Jair, I had a fourth for the day have don't necessarily have him be the guy that's going to go out and call the coin flip or whatever, have, you know, have Eric Wilson, who was ever designated to do that, do that on that day. And it probably is, like you said, it's probably ends up being much ado about nothing. Um, But I think ignoring the entire thing and having it happen. Now you end up with this drama. Now you end up with having to suspend your player in a must win game against Justin Jefferson and the Minnesota Vikings. So it's messy. It's not fun. And there's like you said, there's a
2: billion different layers to it. I'll give you this example, and hopefully it's not the same as far as the way everybody felt about one another. But I remember I was going into my last year in Green Bay, and I think Jason Wilding was asking me, like, what are you going to do? Like, everyone kind of knew I was going to be a big free agent. And I said, you know, listen, I was the only – there's five offensive linemen starting for three-plus years. I go, I'm the only one who's never been on the cover of the, the poster. I'm the only one that's never been nominated for Player of the Week or something. And I've certainly graded out, like, it deserves it. And I, and I just, I remember saying to him and it was, I was talking to, I was talking to Sherman and I was basically saying like, look, I know I get a raw deal from, from Larry Bechtel, at, you know, from times. And I, that's going to be fine, but I need I need you to show me some respect because I work my ass off and the lack of, I think the lack. And so what happened that year, like those things, when I was the highest graded guy, it was the highest graded guy. And they gave me a, a game ball when I, there was a home game. They put me on the, on the, on the, on the preview show, you know, paper a yeah. magazine. A, what is that called um the program pass program like and it it was things like for guys like jair for it it seems like a little deal but it's a big deal because you just want your respect and so when it's left at open and so to mike's credit mike was like okay message received like i get it your feelings are hurt i'll take care of you um you don't know in this situation the motive behind everything or, or why it wasn't addressed to dare bring it up and he was shut down was it was it just was it assumed was it assumed on his side that it was okay was it assumed on matt's side that he would never do something like that and so it's just that communication issue on top it's you no know, layers right on top of we know he's not thrilled with the ways being used in the joe berry defense we know that he's kind of he's he's an outspoken guy he doesn't mind talking to media and saying his mind so all that stuff it just plays into a situation where um this has always been a really a players led team under Matt Lafleur because of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but now it's not that way, and now you start going like, "Well, does Matt want to hit?" A, I'm talking about the head coach on this. He want to hit this hard reset and go. I'm getting rid of anybody who talks out of line. That's like five years or older. I just want not have you on my team anymore because I got a lot of young dudes that look really good right now. So this is one of the. This will be really interesting to see how it plays out in the next couple weeks.
1: I think so too. And even extended into the off season, I'm interested to see if Devondre Campbell comes back at any point this year, if that thing just, they like, kind of put, you should go side. on IR. Don't
2: you yeah. think he should go on IR? I mean, just...
1: it, it feels that way. It absolutely yeah. feels that way. I mean, Matt Saney's day to day, it feels like just put him on IR and that thing. And you're probably going to move on in the off season anyway. It's, it's just, let me, I think that transitions perfectly into the next question. You've had the whole Devondre Campbell situation. You've got this Jair situation do you think that there's any chance that this is just a couple of one-offs or is there, when there's enough smoke, is there more fire there? And the the second thing I want to ask you is when there are pieces of drama that are going on like this, and obviously Twitter's blowing up and everyone's talking about it, we're talking about it. As a player, are you able to compartmentalize that and just don't I don't f- care about that. I'm just going to go play and we're going to try to win a football game in Minnesota, or does that stuff sort of fester and become toxic within the environment that you're trying to go in games in?
2: Yeah. La- last question first. Um, the players can absolutely compartmentalize it, especially away from social media and all. And, you know, listen, questions during the day, it's like what happens during the questions during the day with the, the media is, is you realize that people are talking about it. Now you can just choose to care about it or not. But we talked about it last week. The guys that are in the locker room that have—they either have their respect or not. And I think what happens now with the brand building and everything that's a little bit different, there's a lot more. You know, you're you're, a, you're an entrepreneur of one if you're a pro athlete these days because you're always kind of looking at the next job because you, you don't really have job security anymore like you used to. Right. Um, and you certainly, you understand that the economics and the business of the sport better than certainly anybody in my generation did. So there is that part of it where you get paid, you get hurt. Somebody says something to you about your performance. You go, well, wait a second. you Why am I going to be loyal to you? You're not being, you're not acting loyal towards me. Like that, that happens a lot faster than maybe it did Pre-free agency, pre-social media, pre-awareness, right? And so I think there's I think that is an issue, but generally, but that's limited to the people. There's that's limited to a very small percentage of the team as well. A lot of people are just worried about my performance, my performance, my performance. If I play well, people like me. If I don't play well, people don't. I can have a ton of Twitter followers and still suck, right? And I can be, I can have zero Twitter followers and be a really, really good player and still get the respect I deserve. So there's there's different levels to how people consider their career and what's important to them. And and you want to get the people in your locker room where all they really care about is their performance on the field. They can all let somebody else deal with all the other stuff, or maybe they have a team, a a group of buddies that can deal with that stuff for them Um, to, to your first question. Is this a, a a one-off or a two-off or a larger problem? Um, I think you, you do have a lot of unique personalities on both sides of the football. You have two very interesting cases here. Both guys have recently been paid a ton of money. Both guys have been injured. Both guys are not playing as well as they used to. Right. And, and so I take everything else out of it. The position they play, the side of the football they're on, everything else. Those things are, are very, very important in the context of, of who we're talking about. So I don't want to sit here and say, because it's very easy, obviously, with Joe Barry. Look, I don't, I think, I think it's very easy to look at the defense and go, yeah, there's there's not a lot of confidence in Joe Barry. I think that's very I, I think that almost goes without saying. Yep. But the rest of the team, Matt LaFleur – Matt LaFleur is an offensive coach this year and, hold, and holding everything together and developing young players. done a pretty good job. Yeah, not a lot to complain about. He seems to be a very fair guy as well. I don't know him at all, just when I read what I see on TV. But you have a very interesting situation with these two specific people. Paid a lot of money, injured immediately after, haven't been playing as well. I'm going to leave it at that as far as – where I think, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't know that um, uh, you have a systemic problem. I do think you do have a lack of confidence in Joe Barry. I think that's obvious when you go to, when you think about, think about right before they got rid of Rasul, he's out on the field just pissed that people are missing assignments, making mistakes, that he's playing eight yards off and he wants to be at three, you know, and and he's shipped out. You just, when you start looking at everybody who you respect on a team and it gets frustrated, you're going like, well, there is, there is something to this certainly. Just the way that this is this is handled nowadays, like you want all this to be as in house as possible. All this stuff, right? The personal stuff, you know, you want to air your, you know, your your, your personal vendetta against another player on another team, or what you're doing for a, you know, a, a, a charity deal. All that stuff's great. Like building your brand is great, but as far as like team centric stuff, like you want to stay as in house as possible. And and when it's not in house, you have to start looking at like are those very specifically those three factors involved.
1: Yeah, as well said, I think the thing that is very easy to identify is the fact that you look at the Rizul stuff and eventually Rizul getting traded away, the Devondre Campbell stuff, the Jair Alexander stuff, the Joe Barry stuff, the performance, it's all on the defensive side of the ball. Um, all of that sort of outside drama is all there on defense. It hasn't really seemed to be there on offense, even to, on special teams to some extent too. Um, it feels like it's a at least somewhat of a symptom of just the way the defense is playing. And like you said, the lack of trust in Joe Barry and what they're doing. And it'll just be really intriguing to me to see how they address this entire defensive performance drama, all of it in the off season. You got to think they're going to go in a different direction with coordinator. And then how does that fit with scheme? What players do they stick with? It's going to be, it feels like offense up and coming special teams, still figuring some things out. Defense needs a full, refresh and coat of paint and everything
2: else. And my guess is that's probably coming in the off season. Yeah, I agree with you. And and when you look very specifically at like the players, players that you've had pot kind of stem up with issues defensively versus offensively, like look at the offense, quarterback, young wide receivers, young tight end, young uh, Aaron Jones, never like, never going to say anything, right. Right. Dudes wear sunglasses on the sideline. Like he's, he's just a bad dude. Yeah. To say. A, a, AJ has really no ground to stand on as far as like, you got you to continue to try to perform better. And then you got offensive linemen who are never going to say anything because nobody cares, yeah. right? So on the defensive side, personality-wise, different type of guy, right? Um, different type of personality, much more attack-minded, just as an – I'm just talking about a natural human walking around, right? And you also have veterans who have been paid, that probably have larger mortgage payments, that probably have – you know larger families like they're more they're they're further along in their lives yeah so you start looking around like okay my time's ticking here this stuff's not working for me i'm upset about it i'm going to speak out a little bit more that's generally what happens in all of sports it just happens right now to be on the defensive side of the football i
1: just want to wrap uh this you know part of the conversation with one thing that you said at the beginning about jair and that um and part of it like being a different personality and you have to take some of the good with the bad um that swagger, that confidence, that outspokenness, that, that jair is also what, you know, sort of is his superpower and makes him sometimes great on the field. And you have to take some of that with some of the other stuff that comes along with it. Um, I think that's one really smart. And two, I think that's why this entire thing is sort of so necessary to try to get him refocused back on being that sort of player and playing with that swagger out on the field and having that confidence and bringing that energy to everyone else. I think that at the end of the day, the hope is that this is hopefully a one-week setback. Everyone gets back on the same page. It opens doors of communication between Matt and Jair and you know maybe some of the players on the defense again. I know Jair had said in, a, you know, I think, um, a media session earlier that he doesn't really talk to Matt much anymore, which was brought up in the press conference yesterday. All those things, I think, go into this, and I think everyone's just got to learn from it, as Matt said, and hopefully they get better and Jair ends up being back like Jair sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And it, I, I think, again, the, the big deal here is you draw the line in the sand and they'll know. Like Two things happen with an NFL player right now, Jair's situation. He either says like he either has a mentor, a family member, somebody calls him and goes, do you need to check yourself right now? Like you're in a really good spot. Where are you going to go that's better than where you got it? Yeah. Right. Or they're you know, he he's not listening to anybody else and he's going, man, these guys just sold me down the river. They don't love me anymore. I want out. I don't like what this guy's doing. I want out. One of those two things always happens with, in this situation. You know, not, I'm not talking about specifically with Jairo, with anybody. And so if you can either like, okay, I need to control what I can control and, and, and stop doing this. Or these guys have turned their back on me. I don't want to be part of it anymore. You know, either one of those is fine. And it's absolutely fine. It's unfortunate, but it's fine and it's understandable. Sometimes personalities don't mix. Sometimes you, you really aren't a scheme fit. Sometimes All this stuff, like it does matter. Sometimes a coach is trying to do something new and you just don't fit in. That's okay. There's no hard feelings here. It's just like we need to find out now. And for them to force the issue like this, I think, was really smart. Um, the, The way that this all built up, I don't know if I necessarily agree with. It's unfortunate. But it's really smart, I think, to do this right now.
1: Totally, totally agreed. Uh, Let's take a step back and look at the defense as a whole this past week. Obviously, again, another disappointing performance. 30 points by the Panthers. Um, Bryce Young had a couple really great throws in that second half. Looked like they tried to do some different things early, blitz a little bit more, play a little bit more man coverage. Had some success early, give up the the 10 points at half, um, which Mm -hmm. isn't terrible, but certainly more than uh, a normal half for the Carolina Panthers so far this season. Um, They had not scored a touchdown in their previous two games combined. Um, had scored four touchdowns in their previous five games combined. They scored four touchdowns in this one in three quarters. Uh, not obviously the game that you're looking for. What did you see from this, this defense and um, anything that you can take away as a positive or something that just did not work in this game after you went back and watched it? When you have a 365-day-a-year podcast, you need to have the energy and the health to be able to provide that content every single day of the year. When I'm not feeling the best, whether that be due to illness, gut health, or low energy, it's hard to focus and it's hard to be efficient with my work. Everything is just slower and everything becomes such a grind. That's why I started drinking AG1 daily. When I started drinking AG1, I could legitimately feel a difference in my energy and I noticed I was becoming sick far less often. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. I recommend AG1 to all my family and friends because AG1 has a team of doctors and scientists and because it is formulated based on the latest science while maintaining their high-quality standards. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash packaday. That's drinkag1.com slash packaday. Check it out. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. This year, our family had a few different ways that we did gifts for the holidays. We did some traditional presents, we donated to a variety of charities, and we planned a fun trip for the entire family. Of course, I may have snuck a gift for myself in there during the process as well, but whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you still get to define how you give to yourself. A great way to do that is by giving yourself the gift of therapy. Therapy is powerful. It works and strives to make us the best versions of ourselves and work out the kinks of the everyday daily grind that can continue to beat us down. And during the holiday season, it's really easy to become unaligned with all the regular daily stress, plus the rigors and anxiety that come with the holiday season. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. My favorite part about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online, which makes things so incredibly convenient, and that it's flexible and can be suited to your own unique schedule. In this season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash packaday. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of PrizePix's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the PrizePix community each week. I've had so much fun making PrizePicks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepix.com packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks Daily Fantasy Sports made easy.
2: Well, like you said, they they're, they're coming in to talk about the Panthers averaging like 14, 14.7 a game. They dropped thirty. Here's the thing, Bryce Young. You know, Bryce Young. He's twenty three for thirty six, three hundred twelve yards, two touchdowns. He, but he looked. If I, if you go back, my my scouting report on Bryce Young is he has he's been they give up fifty four sacks or something like that going into the game. Like he is jittered and like he is very jittery in that pocket. He feels pressure. And when he escapes, when he escapes, he can make plays because that's like we watch Alabama tape, that's what he was doing. Yep. So he did two things in this game that I thought were incredibly good. I thought he threw on time when it was when it was when there was open receivers and he hit them in stride. Guys made some incredible plays. Guys made some really, really. I mean, think about the Adam Thielen throw on, on Zayer with one hand. I mean, there's some really good, you know, catches being made and guys moving after the ball, moving after the catch. But the second thing was we you fall back into there's a very specific play on the touchdown where Barry goes up over the top again. He escapes to his right. He's running towards the, you know, the line of scrimmage. You're going, this is a recipe for disaster against every quarterback. And you just, you want to be putting your, you want to always put yourself in a situation where it's like, okay, I'm going to take away all your options and I'm going to force you to run run away and run away from line of scrimmage. And then I want to see what your five foot nine 165 pound body can do in an NFL game. And it seems like a really a really easy uh, recipe for success and they started doing it early obviously you saw that linebackers were firing their gaps a little bit more um they did they had the fourth and two play the, the, the third and two play prior to it they're just doing it uh, Lucas Van Ness had a great play on the on a down block he stretched out and McDuffie made the play they, they're doing a good job of, of bottling up the run for the most part and they're forcing them to be a one-dimensional football team but then you start you start getting back to these old you know kind of bad habits playing a lot of soft zone then allowing that quarterback to escape towards the line of scrimmage where he has a run pass option it just it doesn't seem like for me it always seems like there's one of like three very basic things that this team forgets to do in the context of we're going to game plan and we have a great game plan it's going to work like this oh but i forgot to hey let's make sure the quarterback exits facing the wrong direction like just very very simple stuff like most team I always go back to pass rush plan because the quarterback really is the most important you know, position in this sport. If you don't have a pass rush plan for every single quarterback, whether he can leave the pocket or not, if you don't have a very specific pass rush plan that in, in large part, make sure that these running quarterbacks, these quarterbacks that have run pass options can't run towards the line of scrimmage, you're giving away free yards. And the other thing I, I didn't bring up before with, with Joe Barry and, and all the, you know, we miss tackles. And I think, I, I think I showed on my show uh, last week, the first three plays I showed were missed tackles ended up being like 20 yards of extra offense. Like for the fans out there, think about how many yards of extra offense come after contact after this or supposed contact on this team. You can't blame the coordinator because a guy, just like we talked about in your show last week, you can't blame the coordinator because somebody can't tackle. If you can't tackle and your coordinator and your, and your position coach isn't teaching you how, dude, go find somebody that is spend extra time after practice or before practice. Like you have time in your life to learn how to do your job. It's not just the responsibility of the coaching staff. If the coaching staff, you want to blame on Firebrain and other coaches have been fine. It doesn't alleviate the problem that you can't tackle. You can't run fit. You don't know your assignments. That part of the, the job is always going to be 100% on the players. The coaches are there, sure. You're the one who has to go jump on the, on the field and work, man. Like it, it doesn't work if you don't put in the time. And that's the frustrating part I think about this whole conversation with the defense that I mean it's like at the end of the day you just make some tackles you don't have a problem
1: Yep and I've been on that same same page as well I think there's Definitely frustrations with the the scheme and the play calls, but there is a lot that is going wrong from an execution and player standpoint as well. Was it the first first or second play of the game where Anthony Johnson Jr. comes up to make the tackle on the little flat and it should be a one yard gain and it ends up being I think nine yards on the play instead? It's just nine yards. And, it's first play of the game. Yeah,
2: yeah. You just go and you bring up it's the. A, the a, a second and, and nine or a second and one. Which one would you like? You know what yeah. I mean.
1: The the Inagbari one too. I think that was the the touchdown against Stokes in the back corner yep. of the end zone. Is that like and
2: Stokes and everyone's mad at Stokes? and was like, just gonna say gotta, the same thing. You gotta thing. cover him for eight seconds because you yep. let him roll out. It's like are you kidding me? You no know how hard that, that is?
1: I, I was gonna say the exact same thing. Everyone's pointing at Eric Stokes on that play. I'm like. Man, he's got it completely covered for the what should have been the entirety of the play if yeah. the quarterback's not allowed to escape out to his right, to his throwing side. And then the quarterback still has to throw a perfect seed on like the back corner of the end zone and the receiver makes a good play. It's like, man, and yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Those things are definitely frustrating. And th- this this edge rusher group is at its best usually when they're collapsing the pocket. We saw it against what DeVito a couple weeks ago. I mean, how many different times where you don't have the rush lane integrity, he's stepping up, getting outside, either making plays with his legs or extending the play and making plays with his arm. Um if they just trap that quarterback, especially Bryce Young, Tommy DeVito, um things get a whole heck of a lot easier and you're not allowing some of those big plays either via run with the the quarterback scrambling or a couple of those touchdown plays both against the Giants and the Panthers, even some against Tampa Bay it was it's like all the same Issue and th- those are the things that are frustrating too that they're not getting fixed and um, whether it's players, coaches, whatever, man, if, the, if they can just keep a little bit better contained and, and collapse the pocket, it, it's a just it's a totally different defense.
2: And the hard thing, it's really hard because we say that, and then you get into the game and you're like, everybody wants to eat and mm-hmm. they want to win, right? So you want to have a two way go, you're like you don't want to have you don't want to build a wall, you don't want to do all this stuff. But there are guys on your team where you're like. Rashawn Gary's got a much better chance of winning than, I don't know, let's say TJ Slayton and pass rush. So you can say, hey, TJ, you're bull in the center on this play and you're spying the corner. You're gonna be our spy and you're gonna go where he goes. And everybody else, you can go wherever you want. And it's not perfect, but it's a plan. It's not always gonna work, but it's gonna work more than this does. Yeah. Or you're gonna, or you run a lot of crazy stuff where there's four-man games. We used to call them crazy twists. Tampa Bay did them all the time. And what happens is, somebody ends up running into somebody because everyone's moving into different gaps. But when you're kind of staying with gap integrity and you decide you go lower high, especially on the outside and both, let's say both defensive tackles go into the a gap, like you're done. You're, you're absolutely done. And, and you don't want to limit your guys, but you also have to be accountable because our linebackers will get deep. You know, the, you know, all these teams, watch Minnesota, man, Minnesota's going to run all goes and the tight end's going to leak out for 20 yard gains, you know, play in and play out. He's going to chip out for Sean Gary He's going to go play in and play out because that's what that's what the NFL is right now. Because everybody's worried about the deep routes, they're not worried about the checkdowns, and nobody's thinking about the quarterback keepers.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how that game goes. We'll get to that more in just a moment. I did want to talk to you. I know you posted on Twitter a little bit about Quay Walker, maybe taking some steps in the right direction, maybe getting a little bit more autonomy. Um, what did you see out of Quay Walker in this one?
2: Well, you know, actually, a, a lot of the same. I think what I was talking about was. Um, Listen, I love when they put Quay when they put Quay in dog situations, whether it's a run blitz or, or it's a, a pass blitz. You want to put him in situations where it's like, I want you to go beat this guy in this gap and, and you be the aggressor. And it has nothing to do, I just want to make this really clear. It has nothing to do with his football intelligence or it allows him to be free. Like if I the more rules I give you, the freer you actually are. So all you gotta do is live in the rules as fast as you can. So all we're trying to do here is say, you know, Quay, you've got B gap, destroy it. Right, or you've got a gap, so we can take the onus off of Kenny Clark on the backside from the double team. Right, so when he does that, he he is very, very, he's a very, very effective player. When he's playing downhill, he's much more effective. Um, he's really good in pass pro or in pass rush, excuse me. And then he did some good things in the run game as well. What I also liked is, you know, with Devondre out, he's having to move that defensive front a little bit, and the timing of that, just the communication, being vocal, being that vocal leader. I just think that helps with development you still see some of the same stuff when he plays off. He's not very good at pass. You know, he's he's not very good at at defending the run from as far as, as far as uh, block protection with the center guard coming up to block it. Like we still have a lot of work on there. There's still some issues in in the, in the zone drops, right. As far as communication, but you do like to see again, as just as Matt LaFleur on the offensive side has found a way to utilize people's best skill sets or continue to develop that you want to see on the defensive side, them to continue to continue to, help Quade develop into the elite player that he can be by maybe putting him in situations where uh, he can use his athleticism, he can use his aggressiveness, and he can become more of a vocal communicator and leader in the course of developing his entire defense.
1: Yeah, he's, he's still an interesting player. A, a lot of these young linebackers take a couple years to get their feet underneath them, hoping there's still kind of a breakout for Quay, especially in year three. I think we are seeing some signs of progress, and I do like how they, you're using him a little bit more as an aggressor and as an attacker, and I think that's something that can pay off well for him moving forward. I want to switch to the other side of the ball. A, a player that um, I know, Mike, you and I usually like to kind of drill down into some of maybe the, the less obvious stuff. This one's fairly obvious, but when Aaron Jones, as a game like that, and is able to play uh you know just get the what 20 I think he had 21 rushes three targets something like that so you know 24 uh potential touches um he's just an absolute game changer it, it sucks that there's really only in my opinion the second game where we saw a heavy dose of a healthy Aaron Jones and even the first one against Chicago he had to go out one like the third quarter and it yeah. just changes everything on offense for Green Bay
2: yeah he's lighter fluid I mean he's definitely lighter fluid for this for this offense I I, I just don't know you know you just think about, you think about the thirty-yard gain he had off of. Uh, I think Eldon Jenkins pulled. They doubled. They they dropped everybody down. He pulled around, locked out, and then basically they were just trying to make the corner make the play. And you see that exact same play again. You know, you can in any, in literally in any tape in the NFL. And there's very few guys that'll turn that straight north and south, drop your pads, and just say I'm going to run through this guy. He's not. If he tackles me, he's going to tackle me for a five-yard gain because sometimes that guy misses. Right. We know that from watching the yeah. Packers' defense and just the difference. Like you think about the difference in that one run that puts him over a hundred. That's his, that's his hundred yard game right there. Yeah, Cause he, I think he had 30 something on that run alone. Right. So when you think about the big play um, opportunities, every time he touches the football and what that does to your offense, like as good as AJ is, as, as much as I like AJ, if, if you could just get him to average four yards a carry, and it was literally four yards every carry, you'd be thrilled because he just doesn't have that big play potential in him. He's going to have a couple plays. I know he had a four-yard run this year, but if you just think about how many game-breaking plays does that guy have, it's not that many. Whereas Aaron Jones, first two runs of the game, out the gate, right? And then he has this, you know, seven plays later or whatever, he goes, he goes off the right side and just has another big play. So what that does for your offense, like the anticipation from the offensive line, from the tightest man, if we hold this block just an extra second longer, we all know what this guy can do. It just adds this dimension and this, this level of, I think, aggressiveness and confidence that permeates throughout the entire offense. You see a difference in the way these guys go about their business when Aaron Jones is in the game. And I think that's just because of the appreciation of who he is and, and, and what the capabilities he brings to that that offensive line, that running game in particular.
1: Yeah, it's just a game changer. Um, And I think the defense obviously has to honor that a bit more, which hopefully opens up more play action opportunities. It's just, we always talk about force multipliers, like he's an individual force multiplier for that offense and just opens up everything. And maybe, maybe one day we'll actually see an offense with Aaron Jones and Christian Watson and Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks and Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft and all these guys actually playing together. Um, That would be a lot of fun. And it'd be interesting to see, you know, just how they utilize all those playmakers, but um, we'll see if it maybe gets there uh, this week, and or if it, I don't think Watson and, uh, at least is, is trending right. Dontavian Wicks hasn't practiced yet, so probably not, but maybe uh, maybe that final week of the season will get there. But it, th- those guys are a ton of fun to watch, and when Aaron's out there, it absolutely changes everything. Uh, let's look ahead to Packers, Vikings. Your thoughts on this game, any key matchups, and what you're going to be watching for?
2: I, I like the Minnesota Vikings. I really like them on defense. Um, I think we're averaging – a little less than 20 points a game on defense, uh, 320 yards a game. They're, only, they're giving up less than 100. I can't remember the number. They're giving up less than 100 yards on, on defense right now. I think that there's really three keys to victory in this one. One goes back to this defense that we're talking about with Green Bay. Uh, you have to be able to communicate. There's going to be a lot. Of, they run a lot. Like Nick Mullins is not Kirk Cousins. And like, the biggest difference between Nick Mullins and Kirk Cousins is he holds the ball in the pocket too, too long. Like, he doesn't throw on time. He doesn't have great pocket presence. Kirk Cousins gets rid of the football when you think he's going to get wop This guy just will hold it. He'll take sacks. He'll take hits. And he's not really good at at the deep ball. Like, he's not connecting on some passes. He actually gave up two picks last week on passes that should have been big play completions. So you're going to have your opportunities there, but you have to be able to communicate. Minnesota's going to motion a lot. We've got a ton of guys hurt. So what are you going to do? You're going to make this as easy as possible for Nick Mullins. Motion, overlap offense, overlap with – um with bunch looks and, and you know, you when I say overlap, I mean, you're taking a receiver, you're putting him behind a receiver on the snap of the ball and then bringing him back outside so that you switch responsibilities and zone coverage. You have to be able to communicate and execute against a team that has all these guys hurt. I think Hawkinson's going to be out. Uh, Jordan addison yeah. has been out. The right tackle's out they traded away their running back their, their quarterback their first two quarterbacks haven't you know one's hurt one didn't pan out talking about uh um, Josh Jobs coming over so you don't want Nick Mullins to look like Kirk Cousins and really I don't think that can happen with this team unless you don't communicate defensively. you know, number two more Aaron Jones right he yeah. rushes for over 120 on the ground last week like I said he's a lighter fluid on this team I think they're really good up front um Obviously, Daniil Hunter's been playing really good. Harrison Phillips has been trailing real well. Jordan Hicks had a couple plays last week that are going to be on his all-time highlight reel. Like, this team is playing really well up front. Harrison Smith is everywhere. You have to get into second and manageable third and short plays against this defense. You don't want Brian Flores in that loud Minnesota Vikings stadium with a young quarterback and a young receiving group to be able to – get as loud as possible, as frenetic as possible, and be in third and long situations all day. I just tell you firsthand, it sucks. So, you know, those two things are really important, I think, for this game. And then, you know, obviously the third one goes along with with um, the defense. It's just can we pressure uh, Can we pressure Nick Mullins? He, he doesn't seem to have the anticipation in this offense yet. Like a, like a Kirk Cousins did, right? So what you really want to do is you want to get him into situations where he's having to look at his second and third guy because if we can get to this offensive line even as as good as Christian Darius has been. Like he's shown on tape that he can be beat. Preston Smith had some success against him in in, in uh, more recent matchups. So I'm looking for a lot of pressure in this game at the tackle position. I think Rashawn is going to have a big game. They're going to chip out with their. Parkinson's the on him with their next tight end. They're going to chip out and release. But, you know, we have to find a way to get those guys involved and get pressure, get Nick Mullins on the second and third look. I think you can pressure him and really disrupt the passing game. Because I mean, Andy, they don't have a running game. They don't even no, try to run the no. football.
1: No, not at all. This is not a game. And, and to be fair, there's not a, a lot of great stuff to talk about defensively for Green Bay. They've been better against the run. Chuba Hubbard and that Panthers, uh, actually, like the rushing attack, Hubbard and Sanders were at like 2.4 yards per carry. Yeah. Um, Tampa and the actual – like run game. I know the Rashad White had the big game in the the passing game, but I don't think he had like a massive game running the football. Um they've actually done better. Uh, even Saquon, there was a couple of runs late, but up until that point, uh they had so really played really
2: well. There. They played yep. really well. Yeah. So
1: they're actually doing better against the run. Hopefully that you, you can't all of a sudden let that be a regression in Minnesota somehow have a crazy game running the football. Um last thing I want to ask you, there's been some chatter about potentially not going with Nick Mullins, that they may go with Jaron Hall, the rookie, or potentially go back to Josh Dobbs. Does that change anything for you if it's either the rookie or Dobbs at quarterback with uh, how they have to go about attacking the, the quarterback defensively?
2: No, because I think, you know, when you watch this, I think Kevin O'Connell's a really good coach. I yeah. think offensively, he's, he's really like, you watch their stuff, it's really good. And, you know, he's, he's smart. What he's going to do is he's going to try to cut the field in half. They do a lot of under center play action where he turns his back and, and it makes it so when you when the quarterback turns back around he's got one guy to read. You know you're not worried about is it cover six is it quarters are it too flat what we, like what are, is it two spike what are we doing? You look at, if this if it's this guy you throw here if it's that guy you throw there and it becomes a very very fast progression. Um, when you go drop back like Mullins can throw the ball he had some deep completions last week but he also has a lot of misses. So I would imagine if they take him out of that that offense, they take him out of the offense and put a rookie in, you're just going to see a lot more fast plays. Look, they're going to try to get the ball in Justin Jefferson's hands as often as possible. They don't really have a lot of other weapons right now that are healthy. Um, this Minnesota Vikings team is really, really good. I love KJ Osborne. He had a good week last week, and he's continuing to evolve as a player. Like I think they're really good, but you're missing a lot of dudes. And you, I think the right tackle position in this particular game could be a big thing if if is going to go instead of O'Neill. So when I'm looking at this game, like regardless of the quarterback, if it's not like it's Kirk Cousins is up here and this is for all the Kirk Cousins haters. Like I'm not, I've never been a really big fan, but you're seeing like what a big difference in the yeah. he's here and everybody else is like way down here. So whether it's Dobbs or it's Mullins, whether it's you know, some rookie, I don't really know that it matters as far as how you're going to approach this game. It's gotta be like, these guys gotta be on full attack mode with this quarterback.
1: Totally agreed. I, I wholeheartedly agree with all three of those, uh, you know, keys to this game. I think this is one that Green Bay can go in and win. It's not going to be easy. Um, Brian Flores has that defense playing at a totally different level. Yeah, um, it's, it's. I hate to say this because it's the Vikings, but it's fun to watch that defense and just their aggressive. It really and, uh, is. And, like, go ahead. I was just going to say, like everything, like is is chaotic in all the right ways. They're like how they're making quarterbacks play. Um, you don't know if they're going to bring eight, if they're going to bring three. It's 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 really fun to watch.
2: They, they've got it figured out. They do a lot of stand-up stuff now, too, even on, like, second down, but second, third down, uh, or third down in particular. And, like, when you watch, like, Harrison Smith feels like he's been waiting his whole career for just playing in this this defense. And he yeah. was so good everywhere. Uh, he's always been really, really good. But, like, you watch the first three plays of the game last week, and it's like a willy-won't-he he, on every single snap. Is He's down somewhere near the line of scrimmage. Like If he's on it, he's probably not coming. If he's on, oh, there, he did show up. And now he's back six yards deep, and he runs up and tries to time it. You're just going. Every single play, it's something new. And if they're not bringing him, they're bringing Jordan Hicks. And if they're not bringing Jordan Hicks, they're bringing you know, it's just on and on and on. What I like that they're doing as well, they've got five big like they'll play like it's really like a penny front, but they'll yeah. play five big dudes and then they just play Jordan Hicks behind them. And a lot of guys are doing the Packers are doing that a little bit, but the way that they the way that they play their drop zone stuff, it just it makes it really difficult. But like you said, it's it's the Vikings, but they are, they are fun to watch.
1: Very, very jealous uh, of that style of defense. They're going to get another good defense. They play in a couple weeks in Chicago, who's played much better with Montez Sweat as well. But we'll talk about that next week. Mike, awesome, awesome stuff. Love chatting with you every single week. Tell everyone where they can find your podcast and uh, anything else you want to plug.
2: Yeah, the On My Block podcast is out on the uh, Process to Perform channel on YouTube. We just did our preview. I think it dropped earlier today, the the game uh, upcoming against the Vikings. Uh, you can check that out in the audio. If you want to listen to audio version of these shows and not watch, not watch the video, then uh, I'm upset for you, but you can check it out on the Believe Network anywhere you get your podcast. Wall 68 on Twitter, Prostitute Performer on Instagram. Andy, thanks for having me as always.
1: Appreciate you taking the time, especially as you're in London. Quit talking to me. Go enjoy your time. Go follow Thank him you. at Wall 68 You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. We'll see you guys next week, but until next time, and as always, go Paco.